listening to Sensemaking, a series of conversations with communication design students synthesizing how we make sense of the world, who we are and what we are. Working the alternative media space in the new normal era, hosted by Graham Newman. Hello. In this fourth of six programmes, we are discussing cancel culture and the tribe wars existing in the alternative media space. Cancel culture isn't necessarily going to like give like self-improvement, but you don't have to like take in every single thing that comes in social media. And you can just take a break someday. You don't always have to be on social media and don't let it like consume you. Cancel culture is defined in Merriam-Webster as the practice of engaging in mass cancelling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure, often viewed as guilty unless proven innocent as a process. And it's terrifying. It can be career-ending. The fear of being cancelled is the biggest concern, as cancel culture has no reason or logic. There's no difference from being bullied. The victim is expelled from society and reintegration is extremely difficult. Our social peers have always influenced the decisions we make, the clothes we wear, the tribes we join as young adults. There's nothing new here. As humans, we have a desperate desire to conform, to feel we are acknowledged and appreciated amongst our peer group. I feel good because people like me and my personality and opinion is reflected by them. The focus of this conversation is not about influencers, celebrities and large corporations. The average person has neither the social or financial support to fight being cancelled. There is no justice system here to mount a defence. It's about you and me. Perhaps the true victims are not the J.K. Rowlings and Kevin Hart's of the world. It's about normal people like us, the yet uncancelled people who now refrain from speaking up for fear of being cancelled about a politician, an activity of a large corporation, even a design decision, the process of design and the moral compass of the creative industries. So what is the impact of this phenomena on design education? For example, can students distinguish the difference between critical feedback of their work from peers and teachers and a personal attack on their creativity and problem-solving skills? Should we as teaching and learning practitioners re-evaluate the formative feedback process and summative grading of our students in fear of upsetting anyone? or defend what we believe is in their best interests. Finding a balance between nurturing our students' critical thinking and respecting individual learners and diverse learning communities to the best of our abilities. In preparation for this podcast, the students read Awa Madawi's article, Cancel Culture is Real, but it's not only the woke mob you should worry about. This was published in the Guardian newspaper. Also, Kimberly Lim's Cancel Culture, How Asia's Woke Brigade Became a Political Force, published in the South China Morning Post, and four references published on YouTube from Aperture, Wisecrack, Joe Rogan, and a BBC interview with John Cleese, 
discussing his forthcoming documentary on cancel culture and how this phenomenon has impacted comedy and satire. And we're joined again by students from Comdi, the International Programme in Communication Design at the Faculty of Architecture at Chulalongkorn University here in Bangkok. With us today are Parmi, Mai, Fond, Gigi, Nub and Merce. Let's start with a provocative question. Are there any benefits of council culture, as we can now hear from what used to be marginalised voices? I think that there are definitely some benefits to council culture in the sense that if the person being cancelled really did do something wrong, this, I think, prevents them in the future from repeating the same actions. But at the same time, you have to be careful in how you use this cancel culture and you have to be aware of who it actually affects. Um, I feel like it's less about cancel culture. It's more about like um, constructive criticism because I feel like cancel culture overall is just pretty toxic and it's not actually just criticism. It's just... I think I consider equivalent to bullying in general, but in a sense, it makes people have like the sense of security and like about thinking more before they speak. But as I say, it's very toxic in general. And it also increased the problem of like anxiety and insecurity on social media. There's a very interesting point from the BBC interview we watched with John Cleese, who raised that woke as a concept is directly opposite to cognitive behavioural therapists treating young people with depression and anxiety. What's your take on that? Um, I think when they think about being woke, it's also being uh, conform, conforming to social norms and what is deemed as morally right. I mean, there's nothing wrong about being aware of social problems and things that are going on in in the world right now but like there has to be an extent to it like if it kind of exit that point it's also because uh, it also accelerate into the point where people with depression or anxiety have increased um agitation over choosing what to say or what to do that doesn't offense offend other people and i think it's a really serious problem is this go against treatments or therapy for people with depression and anxiety? I think that you can't just, um, when somebody makes a mistake, especially if it's their first time, you can't just withdraw like your interest from them. I think it's the most logical thing to respond with like um, telling them how to improve themselves or like just teaching them how to instead of just like being silent and, you know, giving them the silent treatment. I think one thing to be concerned about is that Maybe we're teaching the, the person who's being cancelled the wrong way. Instead of um, teaching them to not to be a better person, like maybe sometimes we teach them better ways to not get caught, which could be concerning in the future of our society. Like Gigi said, I think that telling them how to improve themselves is definitely the better option, rather than just straight straight out withdrawing support, saying I don't support you more and not telling them how they could improve. Okay, Fond, do you want to continue and ask the group your question? And I would like everyone to contribute, please. So my question to the group is, who are the true victims of cancel culture? Is it those who are cancelled or those who are yet to be cancelled? 
Um, uh, I feel like both are the victims of the cancel culture. Like for the person who have been canceled, it seems like um, people always try to like attack them, even though like they're already developed. So people, I think people like often pick up their past mistakes again, like over and over again. So that's kind of like causing their like anxiety too. And for the person who um, aren't canceled yet, I feel like they're it make them like harder to like um, speak up their opinion in like public space because there's like a high chance for them to get canceled too. I think it really depends on the context of the situation, whether the action of it was indeed a very bad thing to do or whether it's just a mistake. And that could determine the, the victim. But I think in all cases, there is one victim that is consistent with just the new generation of, of people who are just introduced to the internet. And they think that this sort of culture is normal for them. And that could be dangerous for the future. Whereas we're like growing to become cancel culture. This new generation is embedded with cancel culture in mind. Um, I think that the victims are people who already got caught, who already are canceled because people who have yet to be canceled feel relieved that they haven't got canceled yet and they continue doing the things that they've been doing and not getting canceled for it. Um, yeah, so my question is, does cancel culture actually work in social media, for example, certain YouTubers? So my question is based on um, the people I have been subscribed to before. And those people were, um, they were pedophiles or they sexually assaulted someone and they made an apology video and they took a break for a year. After a year, they came back to YouTube and everyone is still watching them. They give them likes. So this is my question. May I ask which YouTuber you're referring to? I'm referring to Shane Dawson, if you know him. He has come came back recently to YouTube. Um, I think my point of view over this is that why you can still come back and have the same engagement. The detrimental points is like what you have been attacked for. Like um the the thing people insulted you with and like um just general hate speech is a real problem here and not actually about like engagement. And a lot of people can't ignore like um, mean comments made about them, but some people cannot do that and they will turn out into a self-hit kind of cycle. So I think that's my stance on this. Do you think this like year of them healing and changing actually helped them? Do you think do you think they actually changed? Um yeah, I think some people actually changed and they made a, a public apology, but the public doesn't actually take them seriously most of the time. Like they still hold them account for uh, things they have done like million years ago in the past. So and there are people who doesn't really want to change and who just learn to ignore all the bad things said about them. So that's their problem and not really mine. A lot of people have like different approaches to stuff. Uh, I think maybe the problem lies in the question itself. 
um, having accused someone of pedophilia when they have, when we have a, no personal contact with them or the context that they're in is a dangerous thing. Um, from what I'm aware of is that it was a situation about him and his cousin, um, but there was no um, sexual acts being engaged or any illegal thing, but just the context and people just jumping on to the hate and using a strong word such as pedophilia, I think that makes it so that it actually makes the case worse for ourselves because we assume the worst instead of, you know, going more into terms of who this person actually is and what he did, uh, which might not, which might be a bad thing, but um, sometimes, most of the time, we assume worse than it actually is. I think that might be a problem when spreading news. Yeah, I think that's just stepping right into the, the false info spread on social media and people feeling the need to take justice into their hands instead of letting legal rights handle them. So, yeah, that's definitely a problem. Okay, so um, my question is that I've always wondered why cancel culture kind of or got um, recognized as something that only happened in for people who take the left stand in the political compass. Because I feel like it's, it's kind of something that is equivalent to social ostracism, like boycotting or excluding somebody else out of the group for some mistakes they did that is can be related to left stops and cannot be related to political, like political opinions. So. And also like the right to also participate in cancel culture, but it's, it's regarded as something more mature and less childish. So I think it's just interesting. Um, from my understanding, um, the people consensus between lefts and rights, which is every eight years or so. And we, we can see that through president election and stuff like that. But um, for, the minority group, I think, that you're referring to the right side, any publicity is good publicity to them because it brings more viewers to their side. Whereas the majority, the left side, um, I think that the reason that we see uh, more of the cancellation in the left side is because we are in the left side, which is um, sort of this echo chamber where we notice the wrongdoings of those we pay attention to because of our preferences. Yes, I think it's easy to point the finger at the intolerance left, but isn't free speech under attack from the right? This is something I really, really want to add on to because I think that this has happened in a lot of occasions. Like there are serious legal issues or legal bases that have been placed, but people don't notice them because of something random, which they actually planned, which is they say something stupid and people all pile up on that news instead of looking at what the rules have changed, the laws have been admissions, which I think one of the main one is to the, the don't say gay um, policy where they ban any use of like um, education about sexual orientation. 
and that is done by the right side and it's ignored because people are jumping to cancel whatever he or she said instead of the real issues that we're too afraid to look into or too busy to get all the information about it. Yeah, I think it's easy to point, in, to point fingers at individuals instead of the society as a whole, because I feel like just canceling certain people wouldn't solve the overall scope of the problems that we are all facing. So it's just kind of like a narrow-minded narrative and yeah, and just petty, how to say, um, petty urge for doing justice, but not knowing how things actually work. So I think it's easier to point fingers, um, as was said before, like at an individual person as compared to attacking an, an entire group of people. Because one person, it's like you're with one group that attacks one person instead of being one person who attacks the group. I think it definitely makes it easier for the person who's attacking. Yeah, so um, my question is, um, do people realize that there's a line between the free speech and like hate speech or do they think they have like freedom to like directly punish or attack certain people i mean you can attack someone on social media but the person who is the victim they can choose to either you know take that in or they could just ignore it and see it as like that person's loss or that person's problem I mean, you don't have to absorb every single thing, every single negative thing that's out there. I think I'd like to fine tune that question to a bit of more of, even if they do think it's hate speech, are they aware of the consequences of what they are saying and how it affects other people or yourself is the matter. Like um, a, a lot of individuals, when they bully influencers, right after they get a response from them, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I'm such a big fan, which is such a clear evidence that they don't think that their anonymous activity would have a big impact on other people's feelings. Yeah, and I think there's also um, people who take social media very seriously and there's people who think social media is just for banter and jokes. So there's two sides of people. and yeah, One might just insult the other and yeah, I wonder if like country like Thailand where there's no freedom of speech, do people take cancel culture differently? I think it's not like a matter of no freedom of speech in Thailand, but it's more of like conservatism because Thailand we like to like go with like the herd and like the majority of you know the opinion, and when it, you kind of like hop on the bandwagon and then it starts growing very like r rapidly which is a very scary thing. Yeah, I think Thailand have very low individualism by country. It's a country where individualism is very low. I think no matter the country, um, law always triumphs over cancel culture or social media because, yeah, um, they can do anything they want. Like, even in the U.S., um, even if a group of people cancel that person, that person can still live on their life without consequence. But here, where there's law provided against canceling a certain person, there is actual consequences as in, in law and in and the, pol the police and such, which I think may draws a line on where we can cancel or who we can cancel. 
Um, I wanted to mention my hometown, so Kyrgyzstan, that's where I'm from. As a post-Soviet country, I feel like there's no freedom of speech because there are a lot of corruption and politicians stealing money and people just cannot say anything because they're going to be shut down. I feel like in Thailand, there is a similar uh, thing where people cannot say a lot of things because there is a Thailand is like a kingdom. To what extent does cancel culture open up room for a person's self-improvement? I was interested in the difference between call out and canceling out some someone on on social media and that's why like there's a difference because when you call out someone it's like you're making it aware that they're they've done something wrong and you know we're giving them a chance to improve themselves whereas like with cancel culture sometimes you're just like excommunicating someone and they're not really given a chance and before they know it they're already like out of the social media circle um i feel like right now um People didn't receive much chance to like improve themselves. Like they're already judged by other people, and even though like they improve and like fix that things and come back later, maybe like come back to apologize. There's still some like certain group of people who still like um, angry about it, or maybe they think like, oh, that person didn't really improve. I think what's even more important is that the people who are canceled who did nothing wrong. Um, for example, I could think of James Charles who lost uh, like uh, 10 million subscribers because of his friends exposing him with no true facts, but people just jump on that bandwagon, even though he did nothing wrong entirely. But uh, that could be, uh, well, cancel culture, I think is like the same form of punishment that we can think of relating to like, Go, people going to prison where they're in New Zealand, people who go to, who are guilty or go to prison, they're treated with some sort of therapy or like been, to be able to change. But in the US system, people in prison, they don't change. They just be punished and that's it. So I think giving the opportunity to grow instead of um, cutting them out is a better option. And I think we need to find a way to steer into that direction in the society of social media. Um, I feel like cancel culture has been getting increasingly more less about justice and more about people having like feeling high and mighty above others. Because especially in situation where a certain celebrity is being canceled, their relatives are also being dragged into the whole conversation and why their relatives didn't do anything wrong. They still, they were, they're still being canceled by the mass of people who are angry at, at someone who is just related to them. So I think it's just, I think it's just really weird. It's like bullying, but um, people feel kind of moral, have like a moral superiority about it. Yeah, I feel like cancel culture is like people don't let the person be the start hating on the person and they, they don't let the person change. So this is the problem about cancel culture. I think that cancel culture is can be seen as like a one-sided attack on a person. 
that person isn't given room to speak or to improve. They're just being one-sidedly attacked by the mass. Because I think there's also another position, isn't there? I mean, isn't this a great publicity tactic these days to declare yourself the latest victim of cancel culture? Yes, I believe a person like Ben Shapiro, if you know him, uses that as like a great weapon for him to get more people to to his side because he's being canceled or being shut off from freedom of speech, which makes people from the left side jump to the right, even though they don't know the whole context. So in that way, I think cancel culture can be used not just as like um, an attack, but like a, an actual strategy or tactic for a campaign. You mentioned Ben Shapiro, Merce, and that leads us on to your question. Okay. Uh, my question is, in the industry of comedy, how much of offensive jokes are justified? And where do we draw the line, if there is any line to draw at all? How much does context matter? How about intention? Now, I, I know this is a really loaded question. Um, so I'd like to sneak in a, an, an example of, so we know all know blackface is the wrong thing to do, right? Um, but um, Robert Downey Jr. has done blackface before. In, in a sake for satire and his characters being a foolish person, which is why he stands by it. So, yeah, what, what do you guys think? I feel like cancel culture can be very blind. And for example, the movie Borat, as you all know, can ups oh, upset the Kazakh people, but was defined as comedy or funny to Americans. But if it would be the opposite way, if the Kazakh would made a movie about U.S. citizens in this way, they would be pressed about it. Yeah, I think culture difference play a very big role in this because um, different cultures have different um, beliefs. Like, for example, Thai people, we use, in the past, we joke about people who have darker skin all the time, which is a really horrible thing if it's happening in the West. I think the Borat films are an interesting example written and performed by Sasha Baron Cohen, who's a British performer um, and also Jewish. Um, I think only Jewish people can do Jewish jokes. Um, and there's a history of that in comedy. Mel Brooks, for example, who made a number of great films in the 1970s and the 80s. Jewish people can only do Jewish jokes and, and are self-referential about that. Otherwise, it's, it's considered, you know, kind of crossing the line. And also going back to John Cleese, I mentioned The Life of Brian, which is the satirical take on the life of Jesus Christ. And there was a huge uproar amongst Christians when this was shown. There were protests about this film uh, being perceived as blasphemous, and it's simply not true. It is the boundaries of what was accepted or what was acceptable, I think, have changed, arguably in, in favour of being more open uh, as a society. Um, but I think Mercy's point is very, very pertinent, that at what point do we consider a joke a joke? And how can we perhaps reevaluate where things have gone slightly out of kilter in terms of what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. You know, is Saturday Night Live as good as it was before uh, when perhaps people had more opportunity to uh, develop comedy and um, how they performed comedy? Just a final wrap-up from everyone then, please. I'd like to hear from everyone. If you could just holistically summarise council culture and woke, just uh, one or two key points my opinions about cancel culture 
I think would be that it's a very it's a very controversial thing in the sense that it's a double-edged sword because as you said before it can be used to gain publicity but it can also be an attack on someone in which that person they could never recover from it or they could recover and we would never really know if they've actually learned anything from it um so i feel like cancel culture can be very positive or negative and it can help people either change and realize their mistakes but it could also break the person i feel like cancel culture is a choice that you know you can choose to um not absorb that negative information that that may be like accused on you and you i mean cancel culture isn't necessarily going to like give like self improvement but you don't have to like take in every single thing that comes in social media and you can just take a break some day you don't always have to be on social media and don't let it like consume you so um i think cancel culture can give like both positive and negative feedbacks so i think it's quite complicated because there's like no certain point on the line of like what's right and wrong so i think it's something that need to be like taken into like a lot of considerations i think with great media literacy cancel culture can be um helpful too but also can be very scary if if a person have a culture have low media literacy and i also agree with gigi part that um it is important that we don't let social media consume us it's just type of media and it's not the book it's not the news it's just it's just a rock for them yeah i think that just for everyone to keep note on when and i think anything on the internet really i think we should ask ourselves three questions like one is this um are you aware of the consequences of what your actions are and to um are you doing this because you believe in it or just because other people are doing it and it's peer pressure and um my third point is that um are you well informed in this and, and are you like have you seen both sides of the coin and i think that being informed and being educated is like one of the most important things Okay so um to sum up I think cancel culture as a whole is rather is actually more detrimental than beneficial but um I feel like people needs to give the other people like a how can I say a chance to improve and change themselves instead of lashing on for every single false info they got have about that person and so yeah I mean constructive criticism and cancel culture is like two entirely different thing and you can criticize somebody for their mistakes in a way that doesn't hurt their feelings and let them know that they can change and be a better person instead of calling them out bad names and insulting them or telling them to kill themselves because that's very detrimental to their mental health and it doesn't really help the large scope of the problems that we are facing in terms of matters that are like morally morally gray and yeah frustrating yourself and that's it for this week my thanks again to contributions from parmi mai fond gigi zebo nub and merce 
from Chulalongkorn University. To find out more about the program, visit Comde. That's C-O-M-M-D-E dot com. Join us next time when we will be discussing the future of design education. From me, Graham Newman, many thanks for listening. <laughs>